Welcome to the Conservative Rugby League Podcast. Jonathan Dunacain here, and just a reminder of the three pillars of Conservative Rugby League. One, no mistakes, completions are king. Two, sack them all, revs are killing our game. Three, rugby league is a serious business. Joining me is Alfred Dim Diamond. Good day, sir. Yes, hello, and once again, it saddens me that this game is no longer the great game that it once was, and it has been overrun by egomaniac referees. Yes, I think we really should get rid of referees. There's too much regulation in rugby league. We really should leave to the market. Rugby league is a business after all. Progressive Rugby League. Hello, John O'Duncan here, welcoming you back to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Sorry for that break in transmission. Regular programming has resumed. The good news is we're back, we're excited, and we're ready to reflect on another incredible week of Progressive Rugby League. Big Al's with me. Hello, good fellow. Hello, wonderful to be here. Thanks once again for letting me into this wonderful space that we share that is Progressive Rugby League. How are you feeling? It's been, a, it's been a long day. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously quite tired from events this morning. Transatlantic football is obviously not friendly time zone-wise to those living south of the equator. Yes, well, we record this podcast on a Monday evening. And of course, Toulouse and Toronto played an incredible match 3.30am. Monday morning, so it's been a long day. We'll see how we go. I'm at the end of my tenor, <laughs> so anything could happen. Jono's getting cranky with me already. <laughs> it was an interesting experience getting up at 3.30 a.m. I tried to watch the game on CBC Sports. Mm. It worked for me previously in the year. I'd watch it easily, but this time it was geo-blocked. Mm. I was like, what am I going to do? I spent an hour trying to work out the technicalities, and as you know, Big Al, it's not my strength, so <laughs> I pretty much spent an hour pressing refresh, yep. and nothing was happening. And then a friend of the show, Brian Teal from Toronto, he suggested, why don't you use a VPN? And I thought, hey, what's a VPN? <laughs> then I looked it up. And I tried it, I downloaded it, and I got to see the second half. So I was pretty happy in the end. That's good, that's good. And it was, you know, it was good to watch, and we'll talk a bit more about it later. Yeah, definitely. All right, and the French-Canadian Rugby League update. Shall we get started with our reflections? Let's do just that. What's so, you got? What have I got? So we've heard many, many a time me having a, should I say whinge? I don't know, but expressing my disappointment, my sadness, my heartbreak that, you know, my team never gets to share the glory. Why don't I ever get to, why can't I ever be the one and all that sort of stuff? Who do you support again? I support the West Tigers. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, just, in case, just in case people hadn't picked up on that. Of course, I'm still just as invested in this final series as anybody else. But as each week goes by, I realize that that's another team or another set of teams Mm. whose fans are feeling the exact same thing and I always view my end of season disappointment in in complete isolation like how it affects me immediately Mm -hmm. without realizing that as the year goes on everybody else joins me in that same feeling regardless of whether you had a a narrow loss or you got you got hammered Mm. if you didn't win your season's over and you're therefore Sad in some kind of way. I mean, you can take. I mean, I can take great things away from the season that the Tigers have just had, as as any other Eels fan or Manly fan, Manly fan especially, could. But at the end of the day, you're left somewhat disappointed, Mm. and you can share a misery loves company, right? You can share in that misery. (laughs) Misery is not the right word, but you can share in that um, experience with everybody else. Because once the competition's over, there's only one type of fan that can feel happy or satisfied that their their, their team has had the the best season they possibly could. So you're kind of like a miserable fan waiting at the airport for each as each team loses, and the miserable fans join you, and you're like, "Hey, you gotta join me." I'm holding up a big sign that says like. We didn't win. 
<laughs> it's not so bad. It's not so bad. But I mean, I, I think it was just it was more upon the. I had always viewed my disappointment, yeah, in in my my little fortress of solitude. Mm. When it's it's not me. It's with first of all, it's seven other teams when the finals start, and yep. then they add another two sets of fans as they, each week as the finals progress. Yes, and so it's a shared experience. Yeah, it is. And you know, one thing we always talk about in how great rugby league is is that it, it crosses boundaries, mm. and that's just another example of rugby league crossing <laughs> boundaries across disappointed fans yeah. from from uh, each team. There were one set of fans who were particularly disappointed. They were mainly Warringah fans mm-hmm. after their loss against South Sydney. We watched that game together. We certainly did. What was interesting was that we were both neutrals and we were both essentially going for rugby league, mm. but we were going for different teams. So we wanted we what was best for the game, but I was supporting Manly and you were supporting South Sydney. Yes. I think you were supporting South Sydney because they're the bigger team. They would attract bigger audiences. Yes. I was supporting Manly because it was, for me it was a bit more refreshing. They were playing more bubbly rugby league. I was enjoying what they were doing. It was a bit of a against the odds story. Mm-hmm. That was quite interesting. So we were both supporting rugby league. We wanted to see what was best for rugby league, but we were... 180 degrees opposite. But that's often what hurts rugby league is that everybody wants the best for it, but they have different ideas about what the best thing is <laughs> yeah, and exactly. fight with each other about what the, what the right thing to do is. Yeah. My thoughts on it were that Manly, it was a nice story. They had so many injuries. They were coming from the clouds. They were playing exciting rugby league. It would have been quite refreshing to see them in a prelim. Whereas Souths have been there the last few years, you know, kind of the same sort of players, the same sort of vibe. Your opinion was they're a big team. They have a big following. It was quite simple for me. A successful Manly shifts the dial None. They mm. can win and or they can get the wooden spoon and you've basically got the same result. Whereas when it comes to Souths, if Souths win or Souths have a successful season, it attracts more press coverage there because they're a huge brand. I hate, you hate to use that word, brand, but they're a massive sporting brand in the country. Mm. Russell Crowe celebrity support and all that sort of, yeah. all the inroads to international press that, that that creates. The fan base is large and passionate and when they're successful, they're quite vocal. Mm. And it just brings the game into the national conscious. What about the Storm Eels game? What did you think of that? I think it all sort of really followed script, right? Parramatta mm. probably played their grand final the week before. I don't think that anyone really expected the Storm to be beaten again. It's mm. like, no offense, not by Parramatta as well. Parramatta <laughs> have had a great run, a great season, something they should be proud of. Yeah. But come on. It really was the double whammy of bounce back factor from a shock loss for Melbourne and come down factor mm. from a big win for Parramatta. Was there really going to ever be any other result you know you had wet weather it was at night it was in melbourne against a decent team it was totally like 180 against what Parramatta had last time in melbourne they were emotionally invested in the game this team is so professional so clinical that sometimes i think they forget to get emotional and get emotionally (laughs) up for it and when they are, they're incredibly hard to stop. Yeah, so yeah. it was good to see that battle between Sivo and Vunabalu. I think Vunabalu really showed that he is still a preeminent winger in mm. the game. And Sivo had a, a subdued performance. So that was a good performance by Melbourne. That first 20, 30 minutes especially was quite something. Now, while we're on the NRL, because we don't mm. tend to talk NRL much no, on this podcast. Really. <laughs> very quickly. Do you have opinions on who will be in the grand final? Uh, well, I, I have opinions on who I'd like to be in the grand final. Mm, okay. So it all comes down to what's, what's best What's best for the game, right? And unfortunately mm. for how I'd like things to go, I, I think if the Roosters beat Melbourne, mm-hmm. I'd like South to be in the grand final because okay. I think a Roosters-South grand final would just be Roosters will run all over them, but the story before mm. that will be epic. Mm-hmm. And if Melbourne are in the grand final, I'd like Canberra to be in there because I think it would just be a super fiery game, okay. a super fiery contest. And I think Canberra have a much better chance of beating Melbourne than they do the Roosters. 
Okay. However, that game is on after the South Canberra game. So it depends on the so, South Canberra game. I guess so. So if South beat Canberra, I'd like Melbourne to win. No, you no, like I'd the like the Roosters to win. Gotcha. Yeah, you got me. Yeah. Very good. Okay. For what it's worth, I don't care who makes it. <laughs> Hopefully they just play sparkling rugby league. Okay, my reflection. Ladies and gentlemen, you might be surprised to know that Big Al has a terrible poker face. So behold, as I speak words that will make the blood drain from his cheeks. <laughs> Are you ready, Big? <laughs> Lay it on me. I want to talk about the Rugby World Cup and the AFL Finals. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just interrupt? I could I could handle the Rugby World Cup, <laughs> Rugby Union World Cup, sorry. AFL Finals, you better have really <laughs> valid reason for talking about them in this safe space that we've created because I'm genuinely disappointed. You're yeah. I'm, It's okay. Go on. Let's see how we go. Mm. Now, Big, when I was at school, I had my fair share of frenemies. You know those guys who had a similar standing to you in the high school pecking order you know, mid-table mediocrity for me. They weren't horrible people by any means. You generally got along well, but you secretly hoped they failed at everything they did. School, girls, sport. My words said all the best. My mind said, don't choke. (laughs) And for most of my life, this has been my relationship with other sports, particularly those who challenge rugby league in the quote-unquote pecking order, rugby union and AFL. Now, talking to friends and colleagues when these sports would come up in conversation, I'd be cordial but subtly undermined them. Yeah, I did watch a bit of that, I'd say. Yeah, it was okay. A bit too much kicking, though, right? <laughs> in, a, in the case of rugby union, or it's a bit messy, isn't it, with the AFL? <laughs> I eventually left high school and slowly realised the whole frenemy thing and wishing ill on people was no way to live. And actually, I was suffering. It was to my detriment. Mm. Being so petty and small-minded was stunting my growth. And I've tried recently to have a similar open mind to other sports, not because I want to have an affair with rugby union or the AFL or any other sport, but because keeping an open mind and seeing objectively their positive or negative traits, we can learn and improve our own sport. Too often I see diehard rugby league fans just dismiss rugby union as boring or AFL as aerial ping pong without having seen a whole game for years, without seeing if or how those sports might have evolved or, hey, maybe even improved. Now, I don't watch a lot of rugby, but from what I've seen, the spectacle has improved somewhat over the last five or ten years. That's not something we should be afraid of or dismissive of. We should look at what they've done and see if we can learn from it. Rugby Union certainly has done that with Rugby League. As the great professor Tony Collins has often pointed out, Rugby Union has long adjusted its rules to emulate the positives of Rugby League. Now, don't get me wrong, Big. I think Rugby League is generally the best game and the best spectacle, but it definitely can improve. And by looking at other sports objectively, we can find the right ways to do that. So Rugby Union is holding a World Cup in Japan in which approximately 2 million people will attend matches, for goodness sakes. Is there something we can learn there? What about the way possession can change more frequently in rugby? Is that something we want? The AFL has a buy round leading into final series and gets 70, 80, 90,000 people to week one finals whereas Rugby League generally struggles in week one. I mean, Super League, you look at Super League, they had two sub-10,000 crowds at games hosted by two clubs among the most supported in that country. Would a bye week help build the thirst for finals? This reflection is not meant to plug the other sports or ignore their ills or the way they've treated Rugby League in Rugby Union's case. It's just a reminder that the way we interact with those sports can have an impact on our own sport. You can close yourself off, but how can you learn? You keep an open mind and you give yourself a pathway to improve. Look at that. Yeah, I think when it comes to the Rugby Union World Cup, and I make specific efforts to refer to it as a Rugby Union World mm. Cup, not the Rugby World Cup, I agree with you. So, I, I mean, I'm going to have to admit that throughout the last couple of days, I have passively 
consumed World Cup, mm-hmm. Rugby Union World Cup stuff. So I like secondhand smoked a couple of games. <laughs> I have never... You never, didn't inhale. I didn't inhale. I've never watched a full game and I definitely haven't made any appointments to watch any of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's around and it's I, around. I, I get that. So like last night was I was getting ready for the week ahead. You know, there was nothing else happening. So I, I had it on in the background or whatever. And I've had similar thoughts. Yeah, I mean, we all know I am a rugby league booster through and through, and I mm. see anything that's not rugby league as the enemy of rugby league. Probably mm-hmm. an, an extreme attitude. I probably should look at somewhat dialing down a little bit, but we'll see what happens there. But, but there's, there are things about the Rugby Union World Cup to celebrate, and that is, well, it's it's a great spectacle. Well done. Congratulations. That tournament has become a great thing, and that's, that's really good. Like you said, it's in Japan. Two million people are going to watch it. It's a, you know, they get all these great brands on it, like Visa mm. and Heineken and et cetera, et cetera. So it's great, but every time I watch it, I just can't help but play a little bit of like the game of what if in mm. my head because that could be us that could be our tournament mm. that could be our interna- our level of international competition if certain things in history had gone well we did play know. the what if game with Mike Rylance mm, when we, we visited did. him and we spoke about his book The Struggle and the Daring mm. and we thought what if rugby league continued on its trajectory in France in the 30s where it was overtaking rugby and then of course it was banned during World War II and you do wonder what if rugby league became the dominant rugby code in France. Mm. What would it have done to rugby league in Europe? Would it have opened doors in Italy and Serbia and Spain and things like this? You just never know. Yeah. It's, it's a dangerous game to play because it is. it's, you know, hypotheticals, anything can happen and what if gets you nowhere. But you just look at when you've got a great... And the level of international competition in rugby unions, not it's not everybody is on a level playing field. You've still got your, your Tier 1 nations and Tier 2 nations, but still, to attract such a strong uh, and diverse group of countries mm. with solid backing, both from a fans and financial point of view, is mm. just, you know, it's something to for them to be proud of and for me to be jealous of. <laughs> and good for them. It'll all be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and only two years to the Rugby League. That's right. Unbelievable. Well, there are reflections. Now, before we get into the mailbag, we've got a big mailbag for you, ladies and gentlemen. What did you think about this weekend's NRLW? We had our first ever standalone game of NRLW between the Warriors and the Dragons. What did you think? I thought it was a good taste of things to come. So with that standalone game, I think the crowd was... Obviously, there could have been a lot more people there, but it was a good a good start for... It's pretty good, um, 2,500. Also considering you know, there is a Rugby Union World Cup going on, and I'm sure Rugby Union dominant, like just sucks all the oxygen out of Absolutely. any sporting press in New Zealand at the moment. So mm. I think it was a pretty good effort, and uh, it was a good... Quality Quality game as well. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, a brilliant performance by St. George Lawar. It looked like the Warriors might hang on and cement their place in the grand final, but really an electric last 20 minutes, and they scored, I think, five tries. Mm. And all of a sudden, it goes down to the last regular season game at Leichhardt Oval next Sunday, so it's worked out beautifully. And pending the weather, and I think it's going to be a fine day in Sydney, the excellent 2,500 crowd in Auckland should be bettered. We would like to think. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. A, a nice Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon in a boutique, romantic rugby league ground in inner western suburban Sydney. Uh, it's hard to resist. And it's been interesting. I watched the other game as well, Brisbane v Roosters. It didn't really reach any great heights, and Brisbane are kind of looking unstoppable at the moment. It's interesting that so far in the first two weeks, you've had exactly the same results as we did in the first season of NRLW. So once again, it goes down to the last game of the season. Uh, it looks like it'll probably be a Brisbane St George Illawarra grand final but we will wait and see shall we do the mailbag let's do it all right i see you on the other side of the interwebs and you fill me with intrigue you know i speak two languages and one is 
Let's start in Brisbane via Perpignan with the very real Laurent Garnier. I'm still real. Like us, Laurent is very excited about Toulouse Olympique's performance this year and he took the opportunity to remind us of a period in Toulouse's history between 1995 and 2002 when they were known as the Spacers due to their association with the local aerospace industry. And of course, Toulouse is very well known as a big aerospace city. That's where the Boeing factory... No, Airbus? Airbus, Airbus, I think. The Airbus factory is. Yeah, that's right. And an interesting jersey they sported back then. Broncos like maroon with hints of Melbourne Storm purple. So thank you, Laurent, for sharing. On the Toulouse Spacers, it's a French team, so they probably don't consider possible double entendres mm. in English. Mm-hmm. So, like, a spacer can be construed as, like, a no-hoper, I suppose. Like, a, a bit someone who's a bit vacant. Who's that spacer over there? Look <laughs> at that guy. He's totally spacing out. He's a spacer. <laughs> Maybe that's why it didn't, it didn't keep. Uh, Laurent also shared with us the news that Toulouse Olympique will be fielding a women's team in 2020. Mm. This is great news. I mistakenly thought they already had a team, but I was, as Fonzarelli would say, ruh I was wrong. There is already a female rugby league team in Toulouse, the Toulouse Ovary, who won the French Championship earlier this year. That's my confusion. But how fantastic. Two women's rugby league teams in Toulouse, local derbies, beautiful stuff. While we're on Toulouse, you might remember, ladies and gentlemen, when Big Al and I attended a Toulouse Olympic game earlier in the year, we raided their humble merch store, and the jewel was undoubtedly... That white heritage Toulouse Olympic jersey, 100% cotton, made in Portugal, only 20 euro, the greatest rugby league purchase of my life. Anyway, Gav Willisey, I think on our advice, bought one himself when he was there and splendidly debuted it for all to see when he was out and about this week and it got a fantastic ovation online well i'm quite sure that you wore that to the broncos st helens match where we met the um, next day so obviously he he saw you modeling Mm. it and had to have one yeah i think he initially thought i was just wearing my cricket whites (laughs) (laughs) it's just a white jersey it's a beautiful jersey though we also heard this week from carsten our iron curtain cowboy from switzerland great to hear from you mate he heard our program last week about the holy mond wolf pack a junior rugby league team doing great things at grassroots level in ontario well Carson pointed out that the Georgina Griffins, ALRFC, are also doing great things at grassroots, running a tag rugby league program for boys and girls aged 4 to 16. The miracle of the Toronto Wolfpack, real life, actual Canadians (laughs) getting into our sport and getting into it with a real passion. Never let the miraculous nature of this fact be lost on us. Also heard from Pete Williams of Leeds. So, with seven of our lot potentially in the Canberra South Semi, Pete says... Is this as seriously as Sydney has taken British slash English rugby league since the last Ashes tour? And from my calculations, the last time England or Great Britain came to Australia was, I think, in the 90s. Look, there's no doubt Australian rugby league fans have always enjoyed the exploits of UK imports, from Malcolm Reilly to Ellery Hanley to Martin Nefire to Adrian Morley. But over the last 20 or 30 years, they've mainly been seen as one-off talents. And as the national team struggled, I would agree fans in Australia perhaps didn't rate English players as a whole. But now with the bevy of Englishmen who have been playing and excelling in the NRL, and let's go through some of the names, the Burgess brothers, 
Gareth Widdop, James Graham, Josh Hodson, Elliot Whitehead, John Bateman, and others. And next year, George Williams joining the Raiders from Wigan. With that bevy, and with the close Rugby League World Cup final of 2017, it's fair to say respect for English Rugby League from general mainstream Australian Rugby League fans has risen to great heights. Yeah, I would agree. I'd say it, it all comes down to the performance, the next performance of the English team. That's what it would be judged on. Well, on that, considering the quality of the Englishmen in the NRL, isn't it such a shame Australia and Great Britain slash England have not faced each other since that 2017 World Cup final and won't face each other until next year's Kangaroo Tour? That's three years between drinks for matches between the two best teams in the world and the two biggest markets in the rugby league world. Not good enough. Jeez, when you put it like that, you're right. That's a real miss, isn't it? It's outrageous. That's, that's, uh, I we... think perhaps, perhaps, it's because everybody's been so focused on paying attention to games outside of the obvious. So getting games for Tonga, Tonga New Zealand together, and yeah. maybe, I'm just, I'm just, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, Great Britain definitely wanted to play Australia this year when they are touring later in the year, mm. and it was Australia who said no. So that is a, a big shame. You know why? Probably worried they'd lose, that's why. Yeah, well, I mean... Scared of those Englishmen. That 2017 final was 6-0. It was very close. It could have gone either way. We know the quality of the English players in the NRL. It is ripe for a ding-dong battle between these two nations. Australia are not the team they used to be. All the golden generation has retired. Yep. Cronk, Smith, Thurston, Slater. They're all retired from International Rugby League. So this is the time to play Australia against Great Britain or England. But we're waiting three years from that World Cup final and we're not seeing a peep. Huh. Well, it's like, I'm at the end of my tether. I'm tired. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a shame. One more piece of mail this week. Who's there? My name's Ian Martin and I live in either the city of Leeds or another part of Leeds known as... Leeds. G'day, Ian. Interesting discussion here on PRL, he said, on the relative pulling power of Manly and Cronulla compared to Parramatta. Why is it certain Sydney teams are more popular than others? History, geography, demography? I'm intrigued. This is a great question, Ian. At first I thought there was a straightforward answer, but there are so many layers to this, which I'd like you, Big Al, to help me unpack. Let's do it. Before we discuss, though, let's have a quick look at the results of a recently released NRL club supporter ladder. This comes from Roy Morgan Research, a market research company in Australia. They have what they call a single-source survey where they survey over 50,000 Australians, evenly spread throughout a year, about anything and everything. Their intent to purchase cars, soaps, groceries, who they vote for, what radio station they listen to, what sports teams they support. The latest results that were released last week refer to the period of July 2018 to June 2019. Out of those 50,000 people surveyed, around 26% said they are rugby league supporters, which incidentally is down 5% year on year. Out of that 26%, we have the rankings of the most supported teams in the NRL. Unsurprisingly, one town teams lead the way, Brisbane at number one, followed by Melbourne and the Cowboys. Then there are a bunch of Sydney teams, and this is getting to the crux of what we're about to Mm -hmm. talk about. And they go in this order, Souths, Dragons, Tigers, Parramatta, Bulldogs in eighth, followed by the Sharks, Roosters, Manly, then Newcastle come along in 12th, Penrith, the Warriors, and this only refers to Australian Warriors fans, obviously there's many more in New Zealand, then Canberra in 15th, and finally the Gold Coast have the smallest supporter base in the NRL. Now, just a reminder, this is for the full 12 months between July 2018 and June 2019, and is a survey conducted evenly over this period. And as Roy Morgan state in their report, 
NRL supporter numbers are highly impacted by the success or lack of success on the park. So this survey would probably be different if held right now. Parramatta, for instance, would likely be a lot higher than seventh most popular, remembering that for most of the July 2018 to June 2019 period, they were considered wooden spooners. Even so, I think this survey gives us a rough guide to work from and shows which are the big clubs in Sydney and which are not as big. I think most would agree the most popular Sydney clubs are generally Souths, the Tigers, the Eels, the Dragons, the Bulldogs, and perhaps the clubs with slightly less support. You're looking at the Sharks, the Roosters, Manly and Penrith. And that's what this survey tells us, and it seems roughly in that ballpark. Anyway, the broader question as posed by Ian East from Leeds or Ian from East Leeds is why are some city clubs more popular than others? Is it history? Is it geography? Is it demography? Big Al, what do you think? <laughs> how, am I, how, am I, like, how am I supposed to answer that? That's such a complex question. It is. Um, it's an onion question. It's, it's, well, uh, I mean, it's all of those things, right? Like, mm. it's, it's definitely history. So clubs, I think South is probably a good one. Why is it a popular club? Because of its history. It was once a powerhouse, mm. fell over, expelled, and fought to get back. Yep. That, that whole story, that really engages people. Parramatta, I think history's probably got a lot of, lots to do with them. They were a really powerful club in the 80s mm. when, I guess, a lot of people that are in positions of influence now were, were quite susceptible to... Influence. Influence, yeah. 81, 82, 83, 86. Yeah, and so, and so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fond memories within that. Demography, I think when it comes to why certain clubs are less supported... So take the Roosters, for example, I'd say a lot of it does have to do with demography. And most of the people that live within what you'd call the eastern suburbs, Roosters catchment area of support, it's quite a transient population. You've got a lot of travellers, mm. um, backpackers going in and out there. Plus, you've got a lot of... Really rich people. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of a nice way to say it. But yeah, who probably see themselves as above rugby league yeah. supporter and support the Swans or maybe still cling on to the rugby union thing. It's, it's everything. It's all of those things. It's a really hard... It's a it's fascinating <laughs> question, Ian. I'm glad you brought it up. For me... They obviously all play a role, as does performance on and off the field. But for me, the biggest factors might be geography and demography. They kind of go hand in hand in Sydney. Like you say, the Roosters are based in the eastern suburbs, the most affluent part of Sydney, and much of it is not natural rugby league terrain. Double Bay, Rose Bay, Vaucluse, the richest of the rich live there. Yes. And you're right, they're just generally not interested in rugby league. On the other hand, Parramatta, the Bulldogs, Southwest Tigers, they're based in traditionally working class parts of Sydney, rugby league heartland. I would say history plays a fairly big role in the Dragons' popularity. Obviously, they were so successful in the 50s and 60s, 11 in a row. They transcended the game for so long that inevitably support for that team has been passed through the generations. Look, it's a tricky one. And as always, it's a mishmash of a million things, but it's a great conversation starter. I'll tell you what, looking at this chart, this ranking of number of fans per club, one thing that really stands out to me is the the hidden potential or the unlocked potential of Dragons, Tigers, Eels and Bulldogs mm. support. Because the last five years, all of those teams have had really no success. Mm. The Parramatta has picked up a couple of wooden spoons plus some salary scandals. I think the Dragons scraped into the finals once or twice but got bonded out straight away. They've you know, had had no joy. The Bulldogs, they've really been through the through the ringer, and the Tigers have missed. Don't get you started. Don't get me started. Mm. But to show they've all got this base of support that sticks with them, mm. and and will say yes, they are a fan without any success. Mm. Imagine how how different the game would be if you kept yeah, Brisbane, Melbourne. Uh, and Cowboys keep them successful and, and South because they're always sort of up there. But those four other teams just started getting mm. 
becoming like I hate to say it like you know a good a, a good team, mm. the game would be so much more alive and would be so much more I don't know it'd just be different. It's a real shame that those those huge clubs, which and they're huge clubs without success. Mm. If they had success, they'd be even bigger. Yeah, and look, success will come around again. It, it was ten years ago that Parramatta and the Canterbury Bulldogs were playing in a preliminary finals. About six or seven years that the Dragons. God, that was and, a good game. That was a good game. <laughs> it was about six or seven years ago that the Dragons were playing the West Tigers in a preliminary final. Also, there was seventy five thousand people at that game. Yeah, that was that's an right. epic game. Exactly. So, I mean, it will come around again. Look, the interesting one. You've been very critical of the Roosters in the past, and they are what about tenth, perhaps tenth most popular, and they've been successful well forever. Mm. Now, you've been critical, saying, why can't they do more in the eastern suburbs of letting rugby and AFL overrun them? But I look at it in a different way. Looking at that demography of eastern suburbs, I think they're doing pretty well to keep rugby league semi-relevant in a part of Sydney that just generally has no time for it. So, I mean, there's different ways to look at it. Yes, we would love the Roosters to be a bigger team. The reality is they're in a part of Sydney that is just not interested. So I, I, I would like say doing my, my, well. my counter argument to that is I think that part of Sydney is disinterested because they haven't been engaged in the right way. Because if you like the Swans are a huge, the Swans are the number one mm. sporting team in the country, mm. just above the Brisbane Broncos. But the Swans all that they draw all their support from where the Roosters come from, mm. like basically. So AFL is just as working class as, as rugby league is. When you look at the makeup of teams across the league. In in, in Melbourne and, and the southern states it is. In Sydney, yeah, for some reason, exactly. it's not. So yeah. It's not about sport. It's about the team itself. Mm. So I just think, I think it's a missed opportunity from the Roosters to re-market themselves as like if are you a Roosters fan? Cool, that makes you better than like and I, I'm like I think that's how the Swans have done it. The Swans yeah. market like if you're a Swans fan, that means you are you're someone to be aspired to, and you're yeah. in this great you're in this really cool progressive section of the community, which is what that socioeconomic part of the city wants to be. Yeah, and I just think they, they by not appealing to that, they missed a real opportunity, and that's why they they could be. I mean, yeah, like more than more, I'd say two thirds of the Swans support comes from the area mm. where the Roosters. Yeah, should absolutely. also be drawing their sports. Yeah. There's nothing to say they can't. There's, there's fans there that want to engage with sport. They just haven't marketed themselves the right way. Okay. That's my hot take. Yeah, fair enough. I think you're being a bit harsh because there are more structural issues there that people will not give rugby league a chance because of what rugby league means. If you're a rugby league supporter, it's not a status symbol as AFL is in Sydney. So I think they're up against that. But yeah, I do take your point. They could be doing better. How far they can get up that ladder... I'm not sure. Maybe I mean, I, maybe I eight is their maximum. Yeah, I think they're probably doing a much better job now. But I just think it's because it, you know, when you, all you had to do was rely on this goes for you know, it's not just the Roosters, most clubs, and all you had to do was sit back and watch the poker machine money roll in. Mm. You didn't engaging your community or your fan base probably wasn't mm. type on the priorities. And I, I, you know, it's happened over the last ten or fifteen years. But yeah. yeah, it's taken a long time. Well, what a great mailbag that was. Indeed, that's up there. That's right up there. That's a big one. So thank you, everyone. Now I think that means. And Gina from Sydney, get your tonsils, get your larynx, get it all ready. Let's go. It's like Big Al and me, we like what we see when it comes to French Canadian rugby 13. Beautiful stuff. So we're kind of short on content because mm. there's only one one show in town these days when oh. it comes to International Rugby League in terms of Sweet Babies. And that's Toulouse and Toronto, who've played off in the preliminary final. Oh, that's called what the, are we going to call the, it? I think they call it the major semi or the grand final qualifier or something. Anyway, they played off. <laughs> they played sure off over, right? So Toulouse travelled to Lamport Stadium in Toronto, where uh, they were defeated 40-24 to 24 by mm. the Toronto Wolfpack. Now, 
like we said earlier, it was a 3.30 a.m. start. And people asked me, why are you doing this? And I said to them, I looked at them incredulously. I said, how could I not get up? I mean, Toronto and Toulouse, two big, beautiful cities, playing in a huge game of rugby league in front of a packed stadium of Canadians. It's incredible. It is incredible. It's pinch me stuff. Yeah. So I obviously had to get up. And like I said earlier... It was a bit of a rigmarole, eventually saw the second half. And look, Toronto were just too big and strong, I'm going to say. It's a hard one because you'd like to say, oh, Toulouse, you could have done this, you could have done that. But they were just steamrolled a bit in the middle of the park. That's a a big forward pack for Toronto, but it's also, they're big across the park. Mm. They have big outside backs. You know, Ricky Litelli is a class act. Toulouse, they they did their best. They got it to 10-6 in the first half, but there was a a string of three tries just before half-time that made it 26-6 at halftime, and then it was always going to be hard to come yep, back. Yep. The good news for Toulouse, I suppose, they scored a couple of late tries, a couple of sparkling late tries to Mark Carella, who scored three in all, and he was absolutely brilliant again. But they were never really in the game. Mm. They will take positives from that finish. They scored a couple of great tries. But Toronto didn't let Toulouse play the game they wanted to play. The second half I saw, Toulouse were basically taking it up one up, which is not the Toulouse game. Very un-Toulouse-like. And when they were were trying eventually to offload, they'd lose the ball. So it really wasn't working out for them. When you think about how are Toulouse going to beat Toronto, well, they obviously have to run around this big Toronto team. So their last try that they scored, which was through a beautiful pass by Paddy Vivo to James Bell and a flick pass back to Mark Carella, was just scintillating stuff. That might be the template. Short passing by the forwards before the line. I think also early kicking, third or fourth tackle to get the Toronto. Yeah, but make them think. Like, don't don't let them predict. That could help as well. But the question is, will Toulouse be able to get back to Lamport in two weeks? We spoke last week about the challenge of travelling to and from Toronto. Mm. They've played two games in a row in 30-plus degrees. They've also had to travel on the other side of the Atlantic and travel back and they're going to be playing a team, Featherston, who has not had to do that at all. And Featherston will be gunning for revenge from a couple of weeks ago yeah. when Toulouse just beat them out in that final game of the regular season. So this is a massive challenge for Toulouse. I hope they believe because they're going to need a lot of belief to be able to get back to Toronto A and then beat Toronto yeah, B. So there's two massive hurdles here. It's, mm. it's the winning against Featherston, which is no mean feat, mm. considering all the, all the things you just mentioned, and then travelling back to Toronto yeah. and beating the Wolfpack. I, I, if you're going to take positives away from it, I mean, there's all those positives you spoke about, but in terms of beating, let's assume they get past Featherston. Okay. It for it's a big if. It's a big if, but uh, yeah. let's, let's hope they do. Yeah. Coming up against the Wolfpack again, mm. they'll know exactly what they're in for. They'll mm. know exactly what they didn't do, what didn't work last time. And they'll know, they'll they'll have a much better idea. It's, yeah, you could say that, but they have played them now four times this they, year. Yeah, that, and I understand that, but not with such, not in such close proximity to each other. So if you if you play them now, play another team next week and then come back to play them again, you're, mm. it's all fresh in your mind what's, yeah. what's just happened, what you think could work. Mm. And you, I think it'd be, It'd be easier to develop a, a much better game plan to take that to take them on. And of course, all the pressure will be on the Toronto Wolfpack, like it was last year against London. I think, though, Toronto are a far better team this year than they were last year. Mm. Under Brian McDermott, they're much more disciplined. They don't have that short fuse that they did last year. And that some of the backline passing yesterday from Toronto, and it was incredibly slick. Yeah. And last year, they were beset with a few injuries to key players. 
And this year, they've also got a better team. They've got John Wilkin, who has just played an incredible game today. Ricky Latelli scored a hat-trick. Liam Kay, who was injured last year this time at this time of the year. So their their team is stronger, and they are, they're a top-five Super League team, probably, that squad. So they're just going to be so hard to beat, and they're looking so slick. The issue, of course, is that they're going to be, come grand final day, they're going to be the most rested team in the history of rugby league. They've got another week off this week. They had a week off last week. They had a week off. Yeah, a but you know what? That, that's that could. I'm just looking for positives here. That could breed complacency. Positives for Toulouse, yeah. you mean? Yeah, I mean for Toulouse. Yeah, absolutely. But also, they've come off weeks off in the last month or two very strongly. So that's positive for Toronto, yeah. just like they did this week. Well, all we can hope for is for Toulouse to beat Featherston to qualify mm-hmm. for that final, and then we're guaranteed uh, a positive result in terms of our plan. Yeah, absolutely. For the game. Yeah. So it's so, you know. It's a big game this weekend, and look, unfortunately for fans in Australia, I think it's another 3.30 a.m. Monday morning start, which I is I can handle just... 3.30 a.m. on almost any other day. It wouldn't be a huge a huge deal, but... Yeah. Jeez, at 3.30 a.m. on Monday, it's tough. It's, it's not easy. Tough and look, thanks to a couple of our Canadian friends, Sandy Shipley and Nicholas Mew, for their tips on how best to deal with the early start. Set the coffee machine timer for 2.45, they say. That's the, that's the clincher. I think that's a very North American assumption that we have a coffee machine. Well, I don't even drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thank you for the tip anyway. Meanwhile, Carson, I'm Curtin Cowboy, he remarked, welcome to my life as a Swiss North Queensland <laughs> yeah, fan. Yeah, fair enough. What else happened in the world of International Rugby League, sir? So well, this whole time, the Canadian Rugby League have been on a dual tour of Serbia. So mm. both the Ravens, the women's team, and the Wolverines, the men's team, uh, have been travelling around the country playing some games. So that's great. And the latest set of results, this is the final games in that tour. The Ravens defeated the Serbian women 26-4. And the Wolverines were surprisingly upset by uh, the Serbian men, 36-8. to uh, Germany hosted the Netherlands, uh, with the Netherlands winning 56-18. Mm. Mm. That's a big one. That's a big one. And in some signing news, mm. uh, we've got our, our best friend Kenny Edwards. He's going to stay on in England with Hutt for Huddersfield for a further three years. And SKD, it's a whole KR. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, I mean, Kenny Edwards, he did a job at Catalina. I mean, he helped him win the Challenge Cup. Mm. But, you know, maybe it's best for them to part now. Yeah, definitely. It's probably a good time to go. Yeah. Great. Well, I've got a a few tidbits as well. The Women's Super League Grand Final will be shown on Sky in the UK, which is a fantastic result for the women's game. And that will be shown the night before the Men's Super League Grand Final. So it will be standalone on the night before. There are whispers that Magic Weekend in 2021 might go to France. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. What are you doing in 2021? Oh, there we go. So wouldn't that be any any news on locations? No, not at the moment. But I know it doesn't matter. The Catalan Dragons are looking at things because obviously this year they took a game to Barcelona. It doesn't look like they're going to do the same thing next year because apparently there's a lot of effort. Even though it was a great success, I'd love to see them do it again. But hey, whatever. But they are thinking 2021, do something big, maybe Magic Weekend. That would so, be awesome. what, Magic Weekend in Barcelona? Oh, no, in France. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, maybe Barcelona. I've got no idea. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Couldn't that be awesome? Elsewhere, in the Men's Wheelchair Super League, Halifax have taken out the title, beating Leeds in the grand final. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? Well Good done, stuff. Halifax. England looking strong for that Wheelchair World Cup, which, of course, will be run in parallel with the Men's and Women's World Cup in 2021 in England. So, great. Why don't we finish off 
with a proggy, the prog moms. All right, a prog mom. So the wonderful documentary that you and I have both seen, mm. Power Mary, which details the creation and campaign of the PNG Orchids, that is the Papua New Guinea Women's Rugby League team, on their quest through the Rugby League World Cup in 2017, having its Australian free-to-air TV premiere tonight. Oh. So for those that haven't seen it, and I'm, if you listen to this podcast, I'm almost certain that you have, or at least you know what it is. It's a fantastic documentary. John and I actually went to a screening of it in Sydney probably a year and a half ago now. Maybe. Yeah, a while ago. And we spoke to the director mm-hmm. um, and she was quite confused that we were there and she didn't know who we were because she <laughs> said, usually it's only people that I know that are coming to these things. And we said, well, we're fans of rugby league and fans of social change. So Yes, we sure did. <laughs> Joanna Lester is the creator of that film and she's done an amazing job with it. And it's it's gathering a groundswell. I think this year it, it was shown in the UK as well mm-hmm. in a number of screens and it's been doing great things at documentary competitions yeah. throughout the world. So the, uh, the, the opening shot of that documentary really sat with me because it mm. tells you what this whole thing is all about. Mm. And it was just a shot of like, uh, like a drone footage or helicopter footage over some PNG coastline and it said, there's only three common denominators in this country. One is God, two is Tokpis in the language that we speak, Three is rugby league. Oh, the, pillars like, of, yes! <laughs> the pillars of Papua New Guinea. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's on um, NITV and also available on SBS On Demand. Fantastic. Look, my prog mom this week, well, last week we highlighted a brilliant chip and chase and grubber by Shante Pokal, Warriors halfback in the NRLW. This week, another chip and chase in the NRLW, this time by Ali Brigginshaw, and this time it resulted directly in a try. The NRLW is the place for glorious chips and chases. <laughs> if you need your chip and chase fix, yeah, well, you know where to get it. I mean, I haven't seen this many chips and chases since the 80s and Phil Blake and Tricky Trindle in the 90s. Bring them back, I say. Let's do it. Along with the runaround. Start the campaign. And, you know, other stuff. The five metre rule. No. No, 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 no. Anyway. How about um, the wall? Was that like, the wall, like, yes. Yeah, the wall. Bring back the wall. The flying V. The flying... <laughs> bring, bring, bring back Tim Sheen's thing is what we're saying. Yes. <laughs> All right, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's been an epic, an epic day and an epic episode. I think you'll agree. Well, you don't have to agree. So thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Until we meet again next week, Rugby League. And see ya. Uh, in Rugby League, we trust. Woo. Well done, man. Well done to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs>